Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. In Isaiah 61, verse 3, gives us this beautiful picture of the transforming nature of the power of God. The, the, this transformational nature of God taking our ashes and, and creating something beautiful out of it. And we talked quite a lot about that last week. And a little further on in that scripture, it says, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. That somehow God draws this line uh, and saying that not only am I going to do great things in people's life, not only am I going to transform them, but I'm going to put them on display that somehow this isn't just going to be for them, but it's going to have impact for those around them. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Interestingly, the word oak here is not to just put in your mind the idea of a tree. The actual original language is, is, is supposed to point us in the direction of strength. That, that such is the impact that God will have on our lives, on our mindset, that He will, he will, he will fill us with strength. And in fact, there are other pictures around that language to do with a pillar that holds up a building, to do with a strong man, and actually to do with a ram, a male sheep but a position of real strength. So he said, firstly, they will be called oaks of righteousness, but they will be, they'll be called strong and they will be called righteous. In other words, they will be strong and there'll be people doing the right things. So God's impact in our life is that it doesn't just leave us changed, but it leaves us carrying a strength to live our life and to live in a right way. They, they display, we display, and there's many people in this room who display what God is able to do for a life. You were once like this, but now you're like this. And it's not just because of your own effort or because you've been in some self-improvement class. You, you know that the stuff in your life, it could not have happened unless God had helped you. You, 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 you tried in your own strength. You tried in your own effort, but it, it didn't work. And, and this is when we talk about this word splendor. This is where we talk about where people will stand back and say, wow. You know, when people hear your story, they'll go, wow, really? You know, one of the things that I love is when people sometimes share their story of how they came to Jesus and, um, and then people look at them and say, wow, you, you'd never think it, eh? You'd never, you'd never realize that. And that shows the transforming nature of God. It caused people to stand back and say, wow. And, and I think that one of the, the things that uh, our little 
uh, intro, powerful intro there, reminds us that wow does not look the same for everybody. And I don't really like something that, if you like, puts us all in the same box, all in the same category. In other words, that this is, this is what it means for everybody. I think there are certain things that, you know, it's what it means for everybody, but there are some things that God absolutely tailors for our story. And, and whether it is, I love the fact that, that Marcia shared the story. I mean, she wasn't acting. That was actually genuine. That was actually true. She was absolutely afraid to do that, but did it anyway. And, and, and actually, you know, to get up here and do something like that, and some of you in the room would understand that, that if someone's been empowered to do that, that's a wow moment. It's like something they would not naturally do or not naturally choose to do, but, but, but God enables them to do something and it was very, very powerful. So wow can be something as simple as reading a, a public uh, scripture. It can, be, it can be, you know, a wow can be, wow, wow after all this time and all this prayer and all this believing, finally we're pregnant. You know, it's like that is wow for that family. It can be, wow can be captivating someone with a dance. Wow can be that you were the first person to go to university in your family. Wow can be that you've overcome depression. Wow can be that you are actually now off drugs. Wow can be that you are actually holding down a job. That's not everybody's wow, but it's your wow. That proves that God is doing something in your heart and life. You couldn't have done it on your own. Maybe no one in your family has ever done it before, but now because of Jesus, wow is God showing you in the world what He can do for you. So we have these people who God changes and influences through the power of the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus Christ died on a cross more than 2,000 years ago to set us free from all our guilt and our shame and our past and our mistakes. And through the power of the cross and His shed blood, the Bible tells me that I, have, I can become a transformed person. All I have to do is acknowledge that He did that for me, acknowledge that He is Lord. And the Bible says, I will be saved. I will be forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed my transgressions from me. I am made a new person. And He's saying that these people, these wow people, seeing wow things in their lives, He says in verse 4 there of Isaiah 61, that they will rebuild. These people in society who no one saw much in, no one believed much for, they become God's crack team. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And yes, I loved how the message version put it. 
They'll rebuild the old ruins, raise a new city out of the wreckage. They'll start over on the ruined cities, take the rubble left behind and make it new. My God, I just love that. Take the rubble left behind and make it new. In other words, the transformed will become the transformers. Those who have been rebuilt will rebuild. Those who have been restored will restore. They will renew and transform even that which has been ruined for generations. I love that about the gospel. I love it. And I, and I know it because it's not just theory. You know, I, I, I know that God can take a life because I am that life. I know what I've come from. I know what I've done. I know what my family was. And, 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 and literally for generations, as far as I'm aware, certainly in living memory, you know, maybe we've had a few religious people thrown in the crowd, but overall, people have just been living life and making a mess of it for many, many generations. But all God needs is one person. All God needs is one person to transform a generation. The gospel is that powerful. I'm not talking about positive thinking. I'm not even talking about positive confession. I'm, I'm not even talking about, you know, just going through the motions. I'm talking about the gospel is so powerful in someone's life that it has the ability not just to transform a life, but to transform many generations, in fact. So wow isn't just about what happens to us. It's about what happens through us. I know in one sense, that doesn't sound, you know, um, that amazing. But honestly, I think that for too long, many churches, let's at least put it that way, have focused on what the gospel does for you. In other words, it's what's happened to us. And why would we not celebrate that? Why would we not be thrilled with that? I mean, because it is pretty awesome. It is amazing. When, when we know what we've emerged from, when we know what we've come through, when we, knew, when we know what we used to be and now we're not anymore, when we knew what gripped our lives and it doesn't grip us anymore, that is absolutely wow, but it isn't where the gospel stops. Because as we've read, those who were transformed became the transformers. Those who have been rebuilt become the rebuilders. So great is the power within us that it doesn't just influence our inner world, but our outer world. And in that regard, I believe that through Jesus, God restores the original purpose for mankind. If we're going to talk about original purpose, and don't worry, we're not going to get intellectual here, but I'm just going to point us back. If we go to the book of Genesis, when we look at the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible, what we essentially see is God's original plan. We see, we see a man and a woman in the garden. We see an incredible fellowship. We see a beautiful environment, a perfect environment that actually sin came 
and messed up. But in Genesis 1, uh, reading from verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. I mean, let me tell you, I could just preach on this scripture right now because I believe it helps us to understand how God sees us. He made, he made man, we've been made in the image of God, in his likeness. And he said, let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God, yes, we've been created in the image of God, but God gave us a job to do. We weren't sitting around in the garden playing harps, saying hallelujah. We had work to do. We were given authority over creation. We were given authority. There was stuff that we had to do. And the Bible says male and female, verse 27, male and female, he created them. Which, by the way, I believe is leadership at its best. Anywhere in the world, particularly the church, leadership is male and female. That is God's plan. I believe the uniqueness of the male and the uniqueness of the female bring something together. And that God's plan would always include both of those uh, for leadership situations. I just wanted to throw that out, get you thinking. And God blessed them, the Bible says, and said, and essentially that word said is very powerful. It's like he commanded them. He says, be fruitful and increase. In other words, he's, he, he gave them a job to do. He gave them a caretaking job, a managing job. But he said, I'm commanding you. Firstly, God wouldn't, God wouldn't ask them to do something that he hadn't already given them the ability to be. He would not frustrate them by saying you must do this and, and, and not empower them to do it. He said, be fruitful and be and increase and, uh, because, because I know what's in you. And, and, and in truth, in truth, what is in you is so powerful. It means that you, you, your life can hardly not be fruitful. And he told them also to subdue and rule their environment. They were placed on earth, the earth that God had created, but then they were empowered to influence that environment. Are you with me? So they were, they were called to influence, but actually that word is, is subdue. It means rule. It means have dominion. It means dominate. It was, it, it was man gate was given this garden but he was saying now you make it serve you I am giving you that level of power and authority so I think let me say it this way we all understand that life happens to us we all understand that life happens to us but what I want us to go away understanding is with the spirit of God in me with the Spirit of God in you, we happen to life. It's not just that life happens to me. We happen to life. Now, I know that this, I don't know, it may be a little bit of a foreign concept to some of us because what I believe, I don't believe that I'm coming up with some revolutionary idea. I believe that this is what God intended through Christ, that the kind of restoration 
uh, and you know, we, if we had time, we could work our way through the Scriptures. But, but the truth of the matter is that what Adam lost is restored in Christ. What, what Adam lost is restored in Christ. So God has restored that level of, of, of fellowship with Him and mankind. Uh, that's, that is mankind being male and female, obviously. But he's, he's wanting us to understand that His Spirit in us cause environments to respond to us. That, that we have influence where we go. So let me put it this way. I think the devil hates this message. And the reason I believe that is because he prefers it if we just believe that Jesus loves us, we come and hide in church and we just crack on out there where people might know we go to church, but we don't really, we don't really talk about it. I mean, they know we go to church in the office, but we don't, you know, it's like, you know, it's just what we do. And, and, and so we, we're just hidden away from the world. I think the enemy is happy about that because the last thing he needs is people filled with the Spirit of God knowing that they can go out into their worlds and transform it through the power of the gospel. The last thing he needs is that you're able to change your situation through the Spirit of God. And so, and so he'd rather keep us locked away. And you see, I, I don't know. He, it's easier to keep us in church singing songs and hold on to your seats, lock us away in prayer meetings. You say, oh, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you saying? No, I, are you saying that? Listen, I believe in prayer. We need to pray and we need to pray more. But prayer isn't hiding from the world. Prayer, prayer is taking stuff on, actually believing. Prayer is not an end in itself in regard to the fact that God has put us here to bring change, to implement change through prayer. Yes, to connect with God. Yes, to, to, to develop my relationship with God. That is awesome. I believe in it. But God is also looking for men and women raising up intercessors because let me tell you, we are surrounded by situations and people that need that level of intercessory prayer that need us to call on heaven and seek God intervene in some of these circumstances. But prayer is not for us to hide from the world. Prayer is a place of intercession. It's a place of preparation where I then go out and believe that what God has put in me and on me is able to influence the environment I'm praying for. And I believe that that is what Jesus wanted us to understand. He said, you know, from, from his perspective, these are the words of Jesus. He says, let me tell you why you're here. I mean, it doesn't get clearer than that. It says, you're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness, usefulness and you'll end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, 
bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't, have, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Now I understand in our culture, the whole concept of salt is a bit lost because it's something we put on our chips. We don't really see it as the hearers of this would have understood it because salt was an incredibly valuable commodity. And so when Jesus said this, the people who were hearing this for the first time would understand that Jesus was saying that I am sending you out uh, with value to add flavor, to bring out the flavors. You know, that there's something, and, and the, the interesting thing about salt is that when it goes on to, if it goes on to your lunch later, then uh, not too much. Uh, but if it goes on to your lunch later, then it changes the environment. You can't extract it. You can't take it away. It changes it. And, and, and Jesus was trying to get us to understand that, that we potentially have that kind of impact. Salt alters its environment, brings out the flavors, makes it better. We're meant to be light, to shine, bring out the God colors of life. There's just something about color and, and light and, and brightness. It was, you know, we, um, when we were in France um, on, on holiday a couple of weeks ago, um, we, we uh, got our picnic and uh, we sat and watched the, the sunset together. You know your boy. <laughs> and it was romantic and it was, you know, you just got to keep that fire burning, that's all I'm saying, you know. I, but there was just something beautiful about sitting there and what, I don't know what it is, why we're wired about sunrise and sunsets. There's something um, beautiful. If you can't get moved by a sunset, you need prayer. You need the Lord to do something in your life. And you know, we said, and we said, you know, like there we were, we got our baguette, our cheese, little glass of wine. And, uh, and we were sat watching the sunset and it was like the, the best restaurant in the world. You know, there was just something so incredibly beautiful, which means, gentlemen, that you don't have to do anything too expensive to be romantic and bless your wife. I'm just going to throw that out there. But Jesus, Jesus, what I love about this is Jesus doesn't leave us hanging. He doesn't say, go out there and shine uh, and say, okay, what do I do? Buy a torch, get out my iPhone, I don't know. He said, no. He said, this keep open house. Be generous with your lives. When you live an open, generous life, you encourage others to open up to God. He's saying this, when I talk about you shining, this is what I mean. When you open up your home, when you open up your life, 
which I think is amazing because that means that God is trusting us with his reputation. God is trusting you and I with his reputation, saying that when you open up your life, when you live a generous life, you will encourage others to open up to God. It's what I do that makes the difference. Environments respond to us because of who is in us. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Jesus is trying to get our attention and get us to understand that you're not on your own. I've not left you on your own. There's something great and powerful at work in you that has not only transformed your life, but has the power to transform your world around you. So, and you know, some of you know this story. So like when, it's at a very simple level, but it just helps you grasp it. You know, like many years ago when the kids were small and uh, we just went through a phase in our family, you know, where every day was such a slog. The kids, you know, it's like falling out. No one could find their shoes. You know, I mean, they only took them off the night before. I mean, they hadn't walked out anywhere, but no one can find the shoes. They can't find the tie. And there's arguing, falling out, the atmosphere. So everyone goes out of the house in the morning like this. I mean, if you'd had any time with Jesus, it would have completely been ruined. And my wife had a word of wisdom. And she said, because she, she got to a place within herself where she said, enough. We're not, we're not leaving the house like this every day, stressed out of our brains, people crying, people arguing. It does not set up the day. So she made the decision that she was, and it tells you it's a while ago because she put on a worship tape. Some of you younger people might need that explaining, but that was pretty much many Christians here. Their lives were built on tape, so don't knock it. But we put, put on tape in the morning Set the uh, turned up the, the, the volume, and, and 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 that was how they woke up. Instead of saying it's time to get up, come on, come on again, we're going to be late. Instead, just cranked up the worship music, and 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 set the tone of worship. What did Lynn do? She she dominated the environment. She refused to let that environment dictate to her what. It was dictating to her and said, you know what? I'm taking charge here. And she transformed that environment. And it was something so simple. And yet it dramatically and profoundly changed everything. That, that, that instead of tears and arguing and, you know, people could even be heard uh, humming or singing along to the music as they got dressed in the morning. It's just a simple thing, but it just helps us to understand that we have power over our environments. The Spirit of God will give us wisdom. Little things can make a big difference. So I, this, this is what I'm saying that I think is great that you are praying for your office. I think it's awesome. But what if for no reason you took in a tin of biscuits? What if for no reason you took in some cakes or a baked egg cake? People are saying, what's this for? His birthday. Oh, no, no reason. Just 
And I'm, I'm not saying that then you take that as a moment to say, yes, I baked that cake. I've prayed over every slice. And I'm believing that as you eat that cake, you're going to find Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Just to be clear, I'm not saying that. Because believe it or not, some of you need some help with that. You know, there's such a thing as too much salt. <laughs> you can completely ruin the meal, okay? But that, for me, that's, that's a wow moment. Like, why? Because it's you opening up your life. It's, it's, it can be as simple as a, a text. It can be as simple as a, a phone call, an email, a letter. It can be as simple as a bunch of flowers. It's, this is, sometimes I believe that, you know, St. Francis of Assisi said, by all, may, or by all means, preach the gospel. And if necessary, use words. I think that through this, we can, we can so powerfully preach the gospel. It's the simple things. I mean, Zacchaeus, Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house for tea. Actually, that's what the song says. He didn't literally, and they went there for the day. But the point being that he just visited with Zacchaeus. Completely transformed his life. We shouldn't underestimate the power of simple and random acts of kindness. Or in other, word, in other words, it's about adding value. When, when Jesus talks about salt and he talks about light, he's saying, add value. Wherever you go, add value. I mean, I, you know, some of you are praying for promotion and praying for increase. Let me tell you something. Maybe you should pray more about how you can add value. Because promotion and increase come to people who add value. So you can stomp the floor and speak in tongues and shout as much as you want. And I believe God hears, but I want you to also pray for my, in exchange for that increase or promotion. How can I add value to my environment? Just preach to somebody. Rebuild, renew, restore, and transform. That's what we do. We live in a world that tells us that happiness comes from what you get. When I've got this, when I've been there, when I've acquired this, that is what will make me happy. But we follow Jesus who puts us in an upside-down kingdom. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, Jesus tells us it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Jesus said, the greatest among you must be a servant. He says, love your enemy. He says, turn the other cheek. He says, go the extra mile. He tells us to voluntarily take the lowest place. He tells us we prosper by giving away. Become more by becoming less. It's an upside down kingdom. And to the natural eye, it can seem like we are being disempowered. But actually, God is empowering us. He is helping us to do life by different rules. But since he is the rule maker, he is the way maker. We've sung that, but he is also the rule maker and he makes the rules. And he says this works. 
And we've got to accept that sometimes it might not feel like it works, but because he said it works, it works. So because you said it, I'm going to do it. I remember watching Joseph years ago uh, having a, a tennis lesson and, um, and uh, it, was a fascinating, it was a fascinating thing because the, the, the coach was trying to get him to just slightly, just slightly change the angle of his wrist when he uh, uh, returned the ball and uh, because he said, when you do that, it will land in a different place. And he was getting him to do all kinds of things. It was, um, he was on his knees. He was on one knee. He was standing up. But the, the, the coach was just getting him to do something. Why? Because his behavior made something that feel comfortable that was giving him the wrong results. The coach was now asking him to do something that felt uncomfortable, but would give him the right results. Oh, I'm preaching now. I'm preaching now. Some of us, you remember last week, have been conditioned by our condition. We are, we are used to some stuff and it feels right because we're used to it. But it's not right because it's not giving us the results that we want. Guess what? When he did change the angle of his wrist, it did put the ball where he wanted it to be. He had to change his behaviour. Some of us just spend our lives getting frustrated that the ball isn't landing where we want it to land. And we say, oh, there's something wrong with the racket. There's something wrong with the ball. The tennis court is uneven. We blame everything and everyone else. But what needs to change is you and your behaviour. And then the ball will land where it's supposed to land. Luke 10 verse 19 says, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Matthew, in Matthew 17, he says, he replied, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. I'm praying, oh God, that this message will wake us up to the power and potential that is available to us, available through us, because God has given us, not going to give us, has already given us the power and the authority to transform our worlds through and by His Spirit. That's why following Jesus is so much more. It's not even behavior modification. He gives us the power to influence our circumstances. 2 Corinthians 10 says, for although, I love this in the, the Passion Translation, for although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. See, what I love about that is because too many of us, we, we feel we've got to help God out. So that's why I love it when it says it's not about manipulating to achieve our aims. Because... Some of us, not anyone here, not anyone in this church, but some of us are 
We, we will confess and believe that God is a God who will meet our needs and under the guise and illusion of spirituality, we'll go to the prayer meeting and say, oh God, I don't know, Lord, how I'm going to pay my gas bill. But Lord, you know. You know, Lord, I don't know who you can speak to, Lord. I don't know how it could be, but Lord, I just know that you are able because you're a provider, Lord. I just know it. I'm just confessing it. I'm believing it. Speak to someone. We say one thing, but you can't lie to yourself. You know. I want you to know that God, you know, they say, it's not in the Bible, but it's what I say sometimes, faith without hints is dead. I want you to know your faith is powerful enough without the hints. Because whenever you're using hints, you're robbing yourself of the opportunity to build your faith that God is actually there for you. He will actually make a way that nothing is impossible. But we need to wake up to who, not only who we are, but whose we are. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I, I want to say that even this moment, right now, what you are in right now, that if, you, if you understood that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, you will understand that this isn't just a talk. It's not just a motivational talk. There is a spiritual transaction that is taking place in here, which means that, that you can receive faith because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. You can receive faith that you can carry out into your world to bring change. The Bible also tells us that faith without works is dead. We've got to understand that we've got to do some stuff. It's going to take a whole lot of patience and a whole lot of persistence, but God is with us. Too many of us have allowed life and lies from the devil to shrink our God. I'm going to have to say that again. Too many of us have allowed life and lies from the devil to shrink our God. What do I mean by that? We've allowed our problems, the size of our problems, to outgrow the size of our God. We've got big problems and, and, a, and a little God. And I wanna say that that is a lie. That is not the truth. We need to somehow make the transition from telling our God about our big problems that we need to speak to our problems about our big God. Because we have the power through Him, through prayer, through the Spirit to transform those situations. I've had to do it many times. We, we've actually been broken into probably two or three, maybe four times over the years. And, and, and that's going to freak some of you out because you're going to say, oh, well, didn't you pray your prayers of protection then? You know, how come, the, how come, how come they... They, they, they broke in. Well, you know, sometimes God protects us from things and sometimes God protects us through things. 
And when He needs to protect us from, you can be sure He'll protect you from. Because God isn't umming and ahhing about that, but He also protects us through some things. This one particular situation was that He did protect us because it happened while we were out. So we came back and we found it. And uh, you know, the place was trashed and all that sort of thing. And it's a horrible thing. Those of you who've been through it know it's a very, uh, you know, it, 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 it's upsetting. You know, people have been through your stuff. You feel violated, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Beth was uh, like really battled with it, rightly so, because it has impacted her. They'd, they'd taken her money box. Shame. They'd taken the kid's money box. And because it had really impacted her world, it really impacted her. And I can tell you, we, you know, sometimes you don't even have to look for a battle. The battle comes in your, comes in your door and finds you. And we had, to, we had to take that on. I'm talking about, we love Jesus. We went to church. I was in the ministry. You know, we, we prayed our prayers. We, we did all the stuff, but we had a battle with fear in our home that we had to overcome. But through persistence, we kept going, we kept believing, we kept confessing, we kept, we kept putting it into practice. And it wasn't after a while. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna emphasize things that, that we've gotta be prepared to go the distance sometimes. Sometimes this click your fingers, click your heels, turn around two, two, turn around three times Christianity, you know, and it's all, and it was all, everything was, yes. Sometimes it happens, but quite a lot of life and walking with Jesus is about persistence and keeping going. I remember even as, as, as a parent, I was, you know, I grew up in the world and I was 19 when I got saved. And you know, you managed to do a lot of stuff when you're 19, by the time you get to 19. Mess. And... Um, when my kids became teenagers, I began, to be, I began to be fearful again. Because why? I didn't want them now to be making the mistakes that I made. So I began to, I, I was getting stressed about it. It was, you know, they were wanting to go out. They were wanting to meet with their friends. You know, it's like, I was favoring the whole concept of chaining them in their bedrooms with a Bible. That's what I was thinking would be the best option for their life. Uh, Jesus felt that was probably a little too much salt. Uh, ruined the meal. And, um, and I was, I don't know why, God tends to speak to me in the, the bath or the shower. You maybe wanna take that image captive, it's fine. But I was actually in, in, in the bath and I was praying, I was saying, oh God, I don't, want, I don't want my kids to make the same mistakes I did. I was stressed and, and I felt the Spirit of God speak to me and say, why do you fear they will fail rather than have faith they will succeed? And God, in that sense, held up a mirror to me and showed I was praying, I was praying prayers of fear instead of prayers of faith. And I made a decision that I was gonna trust them. And they, they, I said that to them. I said, I will trust you until you give me reason not to. I will trust you because I'm gonna go 
But I didn't allow myself. I didn't allow myself to create an environment of fear and restraint rather than faith and liberty. I, I haven't even got time to talk about all the times we've believed God, had to believe God for Him to provide for us. But we're living testimony that as you follow Jesus Christ, you are not restricted solely to your income. I could keep you here all afternoon with story after story after story and so many of you others could too of how God has met your needs, how God has broken through. The impossible became the possible. Because when God guides, He provides. God wants us to understand that through Him, we are the head and not the tail. Through the Spirit of God, we are empowered not just to believe for change, but be the change. Oh God, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help, help us to grasp the fact that we're, we're not, we don't just need to believe for change. We can be the change through Him and by His Spirit. I wanna, I wanna say that not in any sense a condemnatory thing, but we've been thinking too small. We've been believing for too little. I wanna to say to someone today, there's, there's a business in you. There's a business in you. I wanna to say to someone else, there's a song in you and it's a hit. I wanna to say to someone else, there's a book in you and it's a bestseller. Why, 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 can, it, why can it be that just the world writes bestsellers? Why can't, if I've got the Creator of the universe living inside of me, if I'm engaged with the Creator of the universe, why can't, why can't someone write a song? Why can't someone write a book? I wanna to say to someone else, God is gonna give you a strategy for your class. God is gonna give you a strategy for your student. Someone else, God will give you a strategy to get out of debt. Some of you have lost hope that you'll ever get out of debt. And I wanna say in the name of Jesus, He will give you a strategy that will involve sacrifice. He will give you a strategy that will involve sacrifice, but you will get out of debt. That which they said was impossible, God declares in Jesus' Name, it is possible. I don't know whether you're getting this today, but I want you to know that I've driven cars they said I would never drive. I've lived in houses they said I would never live in. I'm leading a church they said I would never lead. I, am, I have lived in places they said we could never live. I have got visas for things they, they said we would never get. I want you to understand that with my God, all things are possible to those that believe. Will you believe for you? Will you believe for your marriage? Will you believe for your son? Will you believe for your daughter, for your children? Will you believe for your business, for your finances, for your health? God has given us His Spirit and through Him, through the Name of Jesus, we can speak to our environments and see that situation change for the glory of God. Oh, I don't know if you believe it in the house today, but if you do, I want you to lift your voice, clap your hands and give God the praise.
Aleluya. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.